and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Many of you have probably heard through the grapevine and social media that after 15 years at Realogy, I have left and I have become the Executive Vice President of EXP Realty for International Expansions. And one of the main reasons that I did leave was not only because of the incredible technology and the unique business model that, in my opinion, is really the only true disruptor in our industry, but also because of my next guest. My next guest is the visionary behind EXP Realty. He is the founder and my new boss, <laughs> Glenn Sanford. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. Oh, thanks, thanks, Michael. No, I appreciate uh, being on your uh, your show, and uh, uh, I got a chance to listen to a few. And uh, man, you've got some really great guests over the over the many podcasts that you've done over over over. How long have you been doing this? I've started this at the beginning of the year, so it's been about uh, five months or so. Okay, awesome. Yes, and I'm keeping that tradition with you, the tradition of really great guests. <laughs> and Glenn, listen, you are a true visionary. I mean, I'm, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time talking about this EXP story, but you have an incredibly impressive real estate and tech background. Can you just briefly share for the audience how you got started in the industry? Yeah, so I was um, actually... Um, kind of a recovering dot bomber. I created an internet company back in uh, 2000, 2001, licking my wounds, um, you know, sort of kind of bouncing between uh, different opportunities, building, building out some websites and things back in early 2002. And um, I ended up, uh, actually I had, had a website that I was hosting at the time called birchbay.net and it was, had been the Chamber of Commerce website. And I took it back over uh, Chamber gave it back to me. They started their own website. And uh, so I was just selling ads to, to different uh, businesses and doing some local websites. And one of the, one of the local individuals that I um, was looking to sell an ad to was a local realtor, one of the top agents in the area. And to make a long story short, he decided that I should get my real estate license. And, and I, and I, I've told the story a few times, but uh, I really mean it. He, he decided not me. He, uh, he, he said, Glenn, what's, uh, what's it going to take? Uh, um, or he, he first said, Glenn, you need to get your real estate license. And my first comment to him was, I need a real estate license like I need a hole in the head. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he goes, well, what's it going to take? And I, I was like, you know, trying to figure out how to pay the bills. I was, you know, com coming out of my, my, my dot bombiness. And uh, I said, I don't know, guarantee me three grand a month. And uh, he said, fine. And, and I said, oh, crap. Um, and then <laughs> I'm in now. Yeah. So, well, I, well, I still, that, you know, um, uh, that was just my first, first ask. And then, then I said, okay, well, I'm, if I, if I do this, I'm just going to build the business online. I'm not going to wear a realtor pin at the grocery store. I'm not going to be accosting <laughs> my friends and family. I'm just going to build this thing online. And, uh, and he said, fine, fine, fine. And then, uh, 30 days later, uh, Hugh, um, uh, said, Glenn, why don't you have your real estate license yet? And I said, well, Hugh, I get paid $60 an hour just to, to do website design work. 
And um, so that's what I've been, been doing. And he goes, I'll pay you $60 an hour, go study for your darn license. So I literally got paid $60 an hour to study for my real estate license exam. So I, I came in obviously very atypical. Um, uh, he decided that I was gonna get my real estate license. But one of the cool things was that because I was so focused on, on the internet side of the business, I was able to, to and, and I didn't have to worry about how to make ends meet for the first, you know, 60, 90 days. Uh, sure. Um, yeah. I was able to focus on it and, and I built a really strong internet lead gen practice and, and that's how I got into it. Well, I'm hoping that Hugh was one of the original investors in eXp because you actually created this incredible thing and it was all because somebody pushed you into the industry. That's an incredible story. It, it, it is. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I, at the time I was just, I, I got into the business, you know, I, I had a basic business plan. I thought that it had some potential to scale. And, uh, and so that's what I focused on. It turned out that, that I was right. But, you know, at that point, you know, we didn't know which way it was going to go. And, and Hugh and I had a, a couple year deal. Um, I tried to take him with me to, to, to my first iteration of brokerage and, and he didn't, he, he, he was, he's still with the same broker that he started with uh, like 30 years ago. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's incredible. Talk about loyalty. That's great. Yeah. So I have, you know, and, and, and that was a very, very condensed short version. And anyone who really wants the long version, if anything you'll know about Glenn is that he's incredibly humble. Um, so you, you have an incredible history on it, but I want to ask you throughout your career, and you've had some amazing, amazing successes. And, and to your credit, some, some dot bombs. What were the top three lessons that you've learned? Well, I think one of them is that, uh, first of all, success leaves clues. Um, mm. you, you know, I, I think the, the idea that, you know, if you're truly um, a student of, of the business, and, and you really look at the nuances of who's winning uh, and, and who's not, you'll realize that there's, there's definitely some themes that start to shine through. And it really just depends on what, what you define as success too, because I think that everybody defines success differently. Some sure. it's purely monetary. Some it's how much time do I get to spend with my family? Some is, you know, how, you know, how much time I get to go surfing or, 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 or philanthropy or, you know, charity work. Everybody's got different, different def definitions, but, but once you figure out what your definition of success is, success leaves clues. And, and if you follow those clues, um, you in all likelihood, you'll be successful as well, but you have to be a student of the business. You have to be paying attention. So that's probably the first one is success leaves clues. The second one I think might be, that you need to really figure out what what works and then be a sort of a monomaniac on a mission. I think that's probably one of the things I've noticed just early on just working with you is that you are a monomaniac on a mission. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, figure out exactly what you're going to hit out of the park and then just focus on, you know, uh, on being the, the best at that one, at that thing. Um, you know, the life and, and business and everything else rewards specialists. Gen it doesn't generally 
reward generalists. Um, so, so those, you know, figure out what it is that you're going after and then really go after it. And then, and the and last one I think is, and these all kind of go together is, is uh, probably is, is leverage your strengths. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of times people are trying to focus on improving their weaknesses when their strengths are, are ultimately what they're going to get paid for. Um, the thing that people are going to, uh, are going to step up and, and want to work with you on is on the things that you're really strong at. Generally, they're not, they're not bringing you on to team up with you because of uh, uh, your weaknesses that you're working on. They're really teaming up with you based on what it is you bring to the table uh, from a strength perspective. So leverage those strengths, make sure that people know where, where your strengths are and, and then, and then really kind of go after it. Um, you only need one or two good ideas in, in, in life or in business to, to, to have a home run in, in life and business. And, and so that really comes from sort of leveraging the leveraging strengths and then being, you know, super focused on whatever that mission is. You know, I love that because those three things, success leaves clues, life reward specialist. I love that one particularly. And leverage your strengths. I could sort of say that that was probably the roadmap for EXP when you start thinking about it. Now, you know, you start talking about the idea of EXP when right now we're living in a world that everyone, you know, we're facing a global pandemic. Everyone is forced to be working from home. And this is not something that's new. You, this, the EXP model is over 10 years old. It's something that was created in a different environment. We would sort of think that here's a virtual world. Right now, everyone is starving for this, and it's very much in vogue. But this is not something that was created in the last six months. This was over a decade ago. So tell me how EXP came into play. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, my, my personal real estate career, you know, I, I, did, I had a couple of years stint with, uh, with my, my mentor, Hugh Brawford. Um, I then went on to, to, uh, to Keller Williams because I was really into building a team. And so I, um, I was leveraging a lot of the lead gen at that point and, and figuring out how to build a team. And then by uh, 2007, started my first real estate brokerage called Buyer Tours Realty. And we scaled that actually to we're going into uh, we're five six cities um, in uh, 2007. Going into 2008, uh, we were dominating search engine optimization for the city, followed by the name, uh, the term real estate. So we were number one for Seattle real estate, number two for number one or number two for Phoenix real estate, number one for Las Vegas real estate, and this is organic on Google. Wow. But um, and so we were on track to build. We were building a great business around sort of dominating search engines and then generating those leads and then converting those leads to close transactions. And in 2007, we did 73 million in production. Um, and uh, and then and then 2008, we were on track. At the beginning of the year, we were we were confident that we were going to do over 100 million dollars in production. Um, we, we had everything sort of dialed in systems were working well. We were selling, you know, seven, $8 million a month in, 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 in business early in the year. And, uh, and we thought, you know, by uh, May, June, July, August, we were going to be, you know, closer to, you know, 10 million a month in, in closed business. And, and uh, then things started to slow down by July. It was, we could definitely feel it to 
and then we we got into uh, uh, September and October. We were I think we closed seven hundred thousand dollars worth of business uh, compared to our original goal of ten million, and we were carrying wow. an expense load of about fifty thousand dollars a month to to run the business, which really in in the whole scheme of of running real estate brokers is probably a pretty moderate expense load. But for us, you know, seven hundred thousand dollars worth of business, we we quickly closed down a couple of offices, went to a skeleton crew on, on the third. And, and in 2009, we all got together in uh, a bunch of us got together in, in Scottsdale, Arizona and said, you know, what are we, what are we going to do? What, what, what do we want, want to do? And I remember one of, one of the agents, we still hadn't quite articulated it yet, but one of the agents um, asked the question, when do we get our offices back? And, and uh, it was I found that I've done this a couple times and actually more than a couple times in life where the, where I spout off an answer, not really thinking about it in advance <laughs> and then finding out that the answer is the answer. Right. Um, and, and in this case I said, I said, and, and I did it kind of as a reaction um, to the person because they were always needling me on when do we get an office back? We need an office, we need an office. Sure. And I, and I just said, we're not getting an office back. We have to build a defensible business model that's not dependent on bricks and mortar. And that was, that was my direct quote. And, and that became our wow. rallying cry for, from April through October was, was we need to be able to build a, a defensible business model. So we literally laid out, okay, if we're going to build a defensible business model, who are the other models? Who's come before us? Who, who ultimately has built big businesses? So, we, you know, we looked at, you know, the, you know, whether it be from the, the, you know, the, the C21 days to the to Remax days to the Keller Williams days, you know, you got Exit in there and you got some other, other companies in there. But we, we literally said, here's what made these companies work. This is why these companies grew to, you know, 100,000 agents plus um, over the years. And, uh, and, if, and if, we, if we think about it, I mean, the reality is that, you know, Century 21 was sort of really at the front end of the franchise model. They're, sure. They're, and and then and then Remax was really the front end of the hundred percent model for for agents and and Keller Williams developed the um, uh, the the profit share model and and really making it a, a much more agent centric piece and and for us we're like okay the, all of these things are are to some extent really benefiting the agent benefiting the agent benefiting the agent and we. we literally went back to the drawing board and said, okay, what would the real estate brokerage need to look like for me, Glenn Sanford, to be willing to hang my license there and not have an interest in actually going and starting my own firm? And that really was kind of the, the, the underlying sort of mantra. It's got to be so good that, that I would want to, to hang my license there, build my team there, and, and never have a, a, a desire um, monetarily to to want to have to go and start my own firm. Now there may be other reasons why people might want to start their own firm. They might want to create a brand or an experience for a consumer or whatever. But even then, could we create a platform that agents that want to do those kinds of forward-thinking things that we could build this platform that they could sort of plug into? So that was really kind of the underlying sort of mentality that went in, and we just you know we iterated on it. We we had lots of conversations. I was you know, calling all the members of the team and bouncing crazy ideas off of them saying, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? What do you think if we did this on the rev share side? What do you think if we did this on the, on the comp side, what do you think about this? And then really the light bulb went off 
um, in July of 2009, when another agent asked me the question, what do I think the future of real estate brokers looks like? And I literally described our virtual campus and we hadn't even considered that. So that wow. was the second time I made sort of one of these semi-prophetic statements. And then I'm like going, I'm going, well, why the heck don't we do that? So, <laughs> so, right. so, so we, 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 we de developed the defensible business model from a financial perspective. And then we, we solved uh, for how do you do community and collaboration if you're not going to have offices. So this is amazing that you built this based on short answers to annoying agents. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> but you got to solve for that if you're going to scale. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> but now you've grown this company into a billion-dollar company, Nasdaq listed. That is, to me, uh, a fascinating story of growth and. What's really more, um, and, I, and, I, and I mentioned the word humble in, in, in reference to you earlier, but you really are. And, you know, you always have this vision of being inclusive. And you said that you built this for the agents, but you really did. This is the idea that you share the wealth. They have the revenue share for the agents is an ability to get stock depending on performance. It's really this idea of, a family that you've created where everyone feels ownership of exp and that was you know i, I gotta tell you it was one of the deciding factors for me when i really studied your model further and um understood what you've created and you know i've i've only been here two weeks and i feel like i've been here a very long time you know you and i have been speaking for months but it's just the idea that in in the in those two weeks it, it does feel as though I have come into a family and I've used that word over and over to really describe the model that you've built. And I, I think that's really been amazing. Was that the, the thought process from the very beginning? You wanted to build this to, to feel like everyone has a piece of it. Well, it, it, it is. I, I think one of the things that um, my, my dad and I spent a lot of time when I was growing up kind of really debating um, intrinsic motivations. And, mm. and, uh, uh, and, and he, was a, uh, he, was, he was an entrepreneur of his own, right? He built a, a company, sold it to Kellogg's back in the, the late 70s. Um, and so I understood the, the power of building a, a company. And, and uh, one of the things I sort of recognized when I was even even an entrepreneur in in the '90s, is especially with the web, is I would run into situations where I was solving something for the first time, and then recognizing that if I was solving it for myself, that there was probably a whole bunch of other people that needed the same solution, and so I started to recognize that uh, that as a as a as a sales guy, as a business guy, um, that you know, we all have some similar internal uh, motivations and in, internal needs. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm. And, and, and if we could, if we could solve that for, for others, then, um, then we would be tapping into sort of intrinsic motivation. So when, when you think about a real estate agent, and of course, you've been a real estate agent, um, run run a run a team, and 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 done all the things that go along with that. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, one of the challenges, especially if you're successful, is is the what happens if I get hit by a bus? Mm-hmm. And and even when I was 35, uh, when I when I got into real estate, I quickly realized that I was the single biggest financial breadwinner winner in the home, and that um, if something happened to me, there wasn't anything any safety net for for the family. And so so I started the tried to solve that. And so the you know one of the ways is to grow a business. And so the next thing you sort of look at is okay, well. Do you, do you build a team and, and sort, of, sort of recognize that in a team type structure, you know, the team is still highly connected to the leader of that team. You don't very, you very rarely see a team where, where the, the leader can actually go to the, I think Gary Keller refers to it as the seventh level in real estate, where they're just, the, they're just an owner of the team and the team continues to generate revenue for, for them as an individual. It's, it's like the, it's like the Holy grail of, of being a, a team, but it just doesn't exist. There's very few examples where, where that actually, actually works in practice. So, so the next thing is of course, well then, then I need to actually go start a brokerage. And, and then you quickly realize that that's probably the dumbest move that any real estate right. professional could ever make is to actually go and, 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 and start an office because now they got a whole bunch of headaches and chances are is they got to just, they got to go out there and hustle and sell just to make sure that they're able to keep the lights on in the brokerage itself. So, you know, I just, I, I sort of looked at these challenges and I kept on trying to solve them, you know, certainly um, through, through production and other things. But then eventually when we got a chance to sort of start from scratch and, you know, 2009 was really this interesting time because we got to start with a blank sheet of paper. There was, there was no, there was so little business coming in in late 2008, early 2009, that the the real opportunity was, okay, throw out the rule book, throw out everything we know, and and how do we solve the challenges that we've sort of went through over the last uh, you know seven seven years or so? Um, how do we solve that for a larger group of people? And given that we've just literally upended by not operating with bricks and mortar. The, the financial model of a real estate brokerage, how can we kind of retool that and actually solve for all these things that I was struggling with from 2002 all the way through 2009 as an agent and eventually a broker owner? That's an incredible story. I mean, you know, and, and I love it that you followed it from such a pure methodology when looking at it, what is that intrinsic motivation of human beings? But now let me get in the head of Glenn Sanford. <laughs> How did you envision, let's make every agent an avatar, let's create this EXP world, let's throw in some soccer fields, an auditorium, a campus, you know, it's sort of like, did you play a lot of video games as a kid? <laughs> How did this come out of your head? Yeah, you know, I did play some some video games for sure. You know, I I I remember playing. You know, we 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 you know, I, pong was like a big sure. a big game. Yeah. You'd go to the neighbors and they'd have the the pong game, and then I got <laughs> they played Space Invaders and 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 and, and all those early on games. But um, so I was I did enjoy um, uh, video games. I I really enjoyed o- online services, CompuServe, and 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 a lot of the early on. Um, online services. I worked for AOL at one point for a period of time. And so I really like, you know, online communities. But uh, the thing that you know, dawned on me back in 2009 was, uh, if we're not going to have offices, how do we create 
um, community? How do we mm. collaborate and how, what, what does that need to look like? And so we're, there were two thoughts that went through, through my mind. One was um, that um, the, the avatar actually solved for where do we go to work? How do we, you know, a place where I could have an office where we could have boardrooms where we could actually plan out the business and we could show up there and, and actually be there and people could, could have sort of, um, you know, water cooler type collisions. Um, and, and, and from that perspective, that was, that was a big piece. The other, the other thing was I'm, I've always been really big on USP. So unique selling propositions. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, um, the, the avatar based environment was like the ultimate USP. Like who isn't going to talk about this weird company that goes to work as avatars. So whether, whether people liked it or not, people were talking about EXP and, and in, in, in our case, we felt that no matter how people you know, talked about it, the fact is, is that, that we were remarkable. We were conversational. People could ridicule us or, or they could be going, this is really cool, but it didn't really matter. The fact is, is that we were going to get an important amount of lift just because we were so out there and so different. Even though it was solving a real need for us, we also saw that the fact that we were doing it in this really unique way that most people would say is bizarre, in my mind, was actually a marketing tool. It was something that we could actually sell to and, and actually sort of invite people into experience and, and if they were willing to do that, once they did that, it's almost like, uh, you know, a hazing of a fr- in a fraternity. You, know, you, you don't actually bond in a fraternity unless there's a hazing that takes place. And so <laughs> sure. the hazing experiences, you know, actually, you know, going through the quote unquote embarrassment of setting up an avatar and trying to make it look like yourself <laughs> and actually walking into a meeting for the first time and you're feeling uncomfortable because you've never done anything like this before in your life. And all of a sudden you do it and you start to see the lift of it and you're going, holy smokes, it wasn't as bad as I thought. This is actually pretty <laughs> cool. And, and now you're bonded to the community. Well, it only took Facebook 12 years to catch up with you. And now it's avatars everywhere on Facebook. Have you seen this? This is crazy. It is. Yeah. You know, there, you know, certainly Facebook is, has invested a ton of money into uh, avatar based environments. They bought yes. Oculus. They've, 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 they've been, you know, doing stuff with concerts and other things. And, um, and, and so I think that there's a long-term play, Facebook, Apple, uh, I'm sure Google's got stuff going on. Certainly, you know, uh, other, other tech companies got stuff that's going on. You've got, um, uh, second life, of course, has been around forever. Uh, but now you've got, um, uh, Sansar and, and others. So, I think that because of high-speed internet, because of you know where where things are going with augmented reality, there's a lot of conversation that Apple is going in heavy on augmented reality, and that you and I will in the next few years have these really cool you know um, glasses that we'll be wearing that will look super hip and, and uh, but they'll literally sort of overlay whatever we want to overlay into our, into our visual field. And, and we'll be able to do this kind of cool thing. And, and part of it will likely include, uh, include avatars. So I think avatars, we were, you know, 10 years ahead of our time, but Absolutely. I think we're, I think in the next five years, 
we're going to literally see them show up in so many different contexts of, of business and life. It'll be, it'll be crazy. Well, everyone's getting so much more comfortable with it as well. And, you know, and, and, and let's, let's sort of stick on technology for a while. You know, the Verbilla technology, which is obviously what is the driving force of uh, EXP world, is really a game changer. But it's not just in our industry, but in various others. I mean, we're looking at the entertainment, as you were mentioning, in financial industries and other industries. And so you're now um, on top of everything else, Glenn, you're now the chief strategy officer for Verbella. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, one, I was trying to figure out a way to be more involved with Verbella. I mean, obviously they've, they've built great products over there and, and obviously it's something that EXPs use and we, we were the single largest user of their platform. We were over 50% of their revenue when, when we acquired Verbella. Uh, but, wow. uh, but I was also always wanted to um, own a company in the space because I knew what, um, what this really meant for an organization's culture and collaboration, not to mention the significant amount of cost savings financially that companies would, would achieve by working with this type of platform. Now, you know, you, you've got companies that had played with it back in, again, the, the late two, 2007, 2008, 2009 uh, timeframe, but nobody had really went all in like we did uh, on the EXP side. So, you know, with what was going on, obviously, with uh, what's been going on with the pandemic, um, you know, Twitter, Jack Dorsey just announced to, to Twitter employees that they never have to come to the office again. Um, wow. And, and you've got all these, you know, companies that are sort of adopting remote work as the, as the new norm. Uh, I think Zillow, you know, Rich Barton announced that, you know, until the end of the year, nobody has to come back to the office. And, and, and he was in a, a tweet I, I responded to a while, uh, a few weeks ago, he, he mentioned that he didn't realize that you could actually be productive from home. And, and uh, um, I said, well, by the way, if you, if you need uh, uh, something for that, we've, we've got a platform called Verbella could help your team. So it was a little, little dig at, uh, at Zillow, but um, <laughs> the, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the reality is, is that we've now got some really amazing companies. A lot of them we're under NDA with, but if I, if I could talk to the actual names, you would recognize these are household, large, big brands, you know, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of employees that are standing up, either working in team suites or standing up their own um, private campuses uh, we now have a three-week backlog of private campuses being stood up because um, we wow. have so many companies that are now are just experimenting with team suites and seeing the open campus. Um, they're actually thinking about not renewing their leases. We had one company that went from a started with a team suite just as a place to go to work to now they've they've got their own private campus and and they are literally. Um, negotiating to get rid of all their leases. You know, I had a friend of mine um, that she runs a uh, foundation and I had her come visit me in EXP world yesterday because she's looking for, she learned all about it obviously because I joined the company. And so she wanted to have a virtual um, uh, option for her fundraiser. So she's actually going and checking out Verbella 
And she loved the idea of coming in and dressing up and doing the avatar, exactly what you were just saying. And it's that process of, you know, that awkwardness. And then once you get past it, you see everyone else is. It's actually so much fun. It is. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and it's, uh, I, I think it's, it's so, um, like, the, all the people who poo-pooed it, you know, called it whatever they, they called it. I know we had, you know, somebody in the, in the real estate industry that was you know, referred to our, the, the technology as old Donkey Kong and Pac-Man technology. And, and now, you know, to see companies like Deloitte uh, yeah. is now recommending it to many of their um, customers. And again, I can't talk about some of the folks that are being introduced to it, but these are, these are some of the who's who. I mean, you're, you're probably using some of their software on your computer right now. Um, and, uh, and you probably bought products from some of the companies over the last you know, week or two just because um, you know, if you're any sort of online consumer, you're going to run into a lot of these companies. So it's you know, the, the companies that are now adopting it. I mean, these are some of the, the largest names in, in, in tech and, uh, and, and in enterprise. It's just exciting to sort of see that and to see what the future is going to be. And, you know, I just wanted to ask you, you, you are a, um, I mentioned just your humility, but you're also very benevolent in, in just the way that you've built this company. How do you look at balancing that in your life, your philanthropy, your work? How does you do your work balance and, and philanthropy and charity? How does that all balance? Because it just seems like you're, you're carrying a lot and you're doing a lot. You're running this large publicly traded company, multi-billion dollar company. How does that all fit? How does that balance in your life work? Um, well, sometimes I wish it would work better than others. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I, I just went through, and I'm, I haven't really told anybody this. Uh, I mean, maybe just a couple of people, but you know, after uh, we we came back from Australia from um, uh, in in uh, March 14th and March 16th, I I started working with Rebella and then jumped in as chief strategy officer uh, as a title a couple of weeks after that. But I was literally like just just cranking here at my desk in my house sheltered at home and uh uh i realized that you know i at my work-life balance actually got out of whack i actually was focused so much on on work that i actually started to have some almost physical manifestations of overwork so you know i was having a little bit of heart palpitations and other things and so i got that all resolved but i uh, i realized that you know it's one of the things that we all have to think about is what is our work-life balance and so you know and I've been getting out you know getting my exercise in and doing doing some things and things are back to normal but uh, I think it's always something that you know we we all need to be cognizant of uh, is that you know no matter where you're at um, you do have to figure out you know how do you balance things out we can you know there's a temptation especially if you're you know young and you know able-bodied to put in 60 70 80 hours a week and and that's not uh, that's not fundamentally healthy. So you know what I've generally been doing is you know I've generally been you know a runner. I've generally been you know a, a little bit of an outdoors person. Obviously a little tech. Um, you think about the philanthropy side of you know done some things with some some different uh, different charities over time. New story last year and also back in 2017 we did something corporately with them, um, and and then um, you know just and some local stuff. Um, 
so you know I think it's just a, a matter of of you know I, I'm not I don't live large personally you know even though probably I live larger than most just because obviously I'm financially I've done better here in recent years but I'm not you know I, I don't have like all kinds of homes all over the world uh, I'm not you know I don't have the uh, I, I do have a boat but I'm not you know I'm not like I don't do private jets I, I fly southwest you know it's not like so that's my kind of you know, when I do fly, <laughs> um, sure. but, uh, but I think I just, uh, I don't really pay a lot of attention to, to, to a lot of the stuff other than I just want to be a steward of the things that I'm, uh, that I'm, uh, that I'm working on. So EXP, I don't really consider myself, you know, you, you mentioned your boss, but I don't really consider myself a, a boss. I, I think, I think of myself more as a, a coach. And then I also think about the fact that, you know, it's this, uh, uh, incredible honor and, um, and and it's a responsibility, but I, I feel like I'm a steward of EXP, not um, not just the founder. I think it's it's grown well beyond me now. Now all I can do is influence it and and maybe hopefully point it in in the in the right direction and and nudge it here and there. But it's uh, it's really got in. So anyway, I went off on a bunch of tangents there. <laughs> no, you know, I and I think that that's that that's special because it, it you know I do feel that. From from you and from and from really everyone in the leadership role at at uh, at the company, where it really is that sense of of coach and really wanting everyone to succeed. And you know, I would you know we're now in in all fifty states in Canada, the UK, Australia. Obviously, I'll be aggressively adding uh, country count to that. But what do you see the future of EXP? You know. I, I I always so I always think about EXP as as the platform for real estate, and and and, and what I mean by that is is you know similar to the you know in the PC it was the Intel inside, uh, and and so what I think about EXP is that if we can iterate around the the, the agent value proposition in such a way to allow agents to build the businesses that they truly want to build. Um, and by the way, I keep, I'm getting a message that my internet's unstable, so hopefully I'm coming through. Um, but what I'm coming across clearly, what I think about is this idea. Okay. Awesome. But, uh, but I really think about this idea that um, we want to be able to build uh, a platform that no matter what country you're in, uh, no matter uh, what state province, um, or city that you're in, um, no matter what unique way that you want to build your business, uh, as long as it's legal and ethical, uh, you know, we, we want to be able to facilitate that. So, you know, when I, when I look at eXp, I mean, we're, we're not anything like any other real estate brokerage that's out there, as you, as you mentioned. But some of the distinctions are pretty significant. We're one company running in all 50 U.S. states. And, you know, and certainly you can talk about other mm -hmm. countries as well. But if we think about just the United States alone, nobody else can make that claim. Like, no, you know, Redfin can't make that claim. Realty can't make that claim. Even with, you know, NRT, they, I don't think they, they can make that claim. And yet, even if they could, it was, it's not even really uh, a, uh, analogous to what we've built. We've built one company, one cap, one financial model, and the ability to literally take an idea and, and if you're an entrepreneurial agent, you could literally launch a project on a nationwide basis on the EXP platform, cobble together 
agents and brokers and be able to plug that into one platform to support this new idea. And where else can you do that? So, so when, I, when I think about you know, the, the potential of being able to go and build this, this worldwide um, company, and obviously you're, you're, you're well on your way to adding um, uh, folks to, to the platform internationally, but when I think about what we're ultimately building, we're building a platform that empowers agents to build whatever they've got in their head uh, without having to worry about the, the, the brokerage stack that they're going to have to build on. Now, they're going to have to clear the transactions. You know, maybe they use some of the technology that we have. Obviously, the transaction workflow, they have to do that, um, Skyslope. But if they want to build their own CRM, they want to build their own lead generation system, they want to you know, cobble together uh, and build their own national portal, and they want to aggregate agents into that portal if they want to do... Uh, they want to work on relocation or they want to work with a big employer and, and, and do help them, um, you know, manage uh, resources and, and help them move. They can do all that on, on the eXp platform. We're not competing with any of those activities. We're just enabling all of those activities. And that's such an important point. You're right. I mean, that's, that's really is one of the incredible unique differentiators in the industry for something like this. And so I just have one final question for you, and it's, and it's a big one. I like to ask a lot of my guests this question. Glenn, what would you like your legacy to be? Um, you know, it's pretty simple um, from, 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 from that perspective. You know, the, I, I really do, you know, want to do what a lot of people probably want to do is that I really want to leave the world a better place because I was a part of it, you know. So, you know, We've got a lot of stuff going on that, you know, you know, that you know, is, you know, whether it be climate or, you know, any number of things that m might be negatives. And, and those are going to be, you know, part of the backdrop. But I want the world to be a better place because I was part of it. I want to organize something in some way that impacts people in a positive way and, and ultimately, you know, creates an opportunity in some, some way for, for people to, to, uh, to have positive things happen for them. And so for, for me, that's kind of the big driver. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not the, the idea of, you know, having the most toys or, you know, or any of those types of things. But, you know, at the end of the day, I want, you know, my kids to be able to, to look, look uh, at uh, some of the stuff that I've accomplished. I want, you know, other people to be able to look at some of the stuff I've accomplished and go, hey, the, world, the world's a better place because Glenn was in it. I love that. And I think you've already proven that. You've already touched a lot of people. And uh, Glenn, thank you so much for the time today and for this conversation and for the opportunity to, to work with you and, and for you to be my coach. And um, it's, it's really been a pleasure. And I'm just looking forward for the future together. And I thank you again for your time today. Awesome. Hey, hey Michael, thanks for, thanks for having me on. And uh, thanks for being part of uh, Team EXP. <laughs> thank you, sir. And thank you for all of you for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Thank you all very much.